Hey, welcome back. You're listening to Keith and Charmaine Amber, mastering ourselves and, uh, <laughs> boy, my brain just doesn't want to work today. Bill Cohen, author of, among other things, A Class with Drucker, The Lost Lessons of the World's Greatest Management Teacher. If you happen to have a question for Bill, send it to Q at MasteringOurselves.com. I'm going to make a few comments on uh, some of the things that have been said. We were talking about Winston Churchill. When he was uh, young in the military, he escaped from one of the prisons, a real rare thing there, and he happened to find one of the very few allies to help him escape on the way. He didn't know anything. He was just on, you know, Talk about on the angels own. watching over him. And then he stuttered profusely when he was younger, and he overcame that and became one of the most pertinent and articulate speakers of uh, a real crisis time in the world. They certainly did, and that was yeah, that was during the Boer War in, in uh, South Africa that right. he was captured. Yes, and amazing, uh, yeah, they really had a uh, tremendous uh, background in history. Yeah, so he overcame adversity, and if he didn't overcome adversity, you wouldn't even know that there was a Winston Churchill. <laughs> but he overcame Maybe. it in a big way, and we can do it too. Uh, another thing we were talking about is Bill was saying people reach a certain level. And then they need a higher wage. And here's some of the higher wages. Respect and acknowledgement. Like, you know, you're respected at work. Uh, you get a good challenge to, you know, uh, develop yourself to meet, meet a uh, challenge instead of just the same old dull thing again. And uh, another really valuable thing that you grow up to needing, you just really need to do this, is valuable, meaningful contribution. And this is over just plush money to, to glut yourself and say, I, I have it made now. You know, th- that's, that's not the whole picture. These are characters of the soul that we're talking about, not just plush money. Yeah, I try to point out to those that are responsible for these things that all these things, these things that Keith just mentioned, they cost a organization very little as opposed to, uh, you know, trying to uh, do all kinds of other things that, cost, that can cost a lot of money. And uh, yet they can have such a tremendous impact because we have such a tremendous desire to do these things. It'll probably end up being better for the world and more productive for the business, too. Yeah, I think good for everyone. Of course, it, it, when, you, uh, when you do these things, if you're in the, the one in charge, I mean, you have to be the leader. You have to be like this guy Iverson, who is the CEO of Nucor. And uh, take your cuts when things go wrong. Right. Uh, We're all on the same team on this thing. That's a real team player, and we need to do that instead of cutthroat, who can get the top dollar and who could, if you have to, cut the footing out from under everyone else. You know, that's just, that's nowhere we want to go. Yeah, and it's and it's not how people really, it's not good leadership either. I mean, you don't get to the top by fighting your way to the top. You get to the top by helping others. You know, get to the top. Right. And uh, and that's I think that's a key rule. That's a good one. You know, I used to. Uh, I remember I used to in Reno walk walk around and and just get all kinds of incredible inspired ideas. And I was teaching a class. Once I stopped teaching the class, the ideas stopped. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was like inspiration. It was like really good stuff. But you know, it was for me to teach people. It wasn't just for me to you know go wow I have all these great concepts. No, that's right. I think that we learn more from teaching than we do by actually being a, a formal student and studying. Yeah, if, if you're really there doing it, you get lit up for them and you learn a lot. I, I think you're right. 
You know, uh, New York City was really turned around when Rudy Giuliani was there as uh, mayor, and several of the things he had to deal with, like what you were talking about, is the uh, ridiculous labor unions that just kept everyone's wages going up but not productivity going up, which is a good point. If you want, if people's prices and wages are going to go up, you should have productivity go up. And then the bureaucracy, there was so much uh, administration and bureaucracy that was unnecessary getting fat paychecks and he just he he faced those down and those are part both what you were saying labor unions and management they were both really ruining the system and, and uh, by dealing with them hard nose he got New York back r- rolling quite well yeah I think it's uh, I, I think a lot of these things can be done if we and it has to do with solving problems when we're faced with these situations and uh, getting into problem solving and 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 we think uh, how can we how can we do this thing and I think this is what Charmaine was indicating before the break that you know that, that uh, Peter said you know you get into uh, uh, you start a, a situation as a com- I, I better tell you the whole story sure <laughs> you know why don't you why don't you let me read this excerpt okay, sure. out of Go your ahead. book this would be perfect right. unexpectedly this is out of the book a class with drucker unexpectedly one of my classmates raised his arm and exploded with three questions in rapid succession how do you know the right questions they ask aren't your questions based on your knowledge in the industries in which you consult what about when first starting out with no experience? How do you have the knowledge and expertise to do this when you first started? I never asked these questions or approached these assignments based on my knowledge and experience in these industries, answered Drucker. It is exactly the opposite. I do not use my knowledge and experience at all. I bring my ignorance to the situation. Ignorance is the most important component for helping others to solve any problem in any industry. Hands shot up around the room, but Peter waved them off. Ignorance is not such a bad thing if one knows how to use it, he continued, and all managers must learn how to do this. You must frequently approach problems with your ignorance, not what you think you know from past experience, because not infrequently what you think you know is wrong. <laughs> you know, Peter uh, was asked all in class even before this particular class that I mentioned in the book, and I mentioned this other instance in the book as well. Someone asked him, and now here was a guy who does a lot of consulting for major corporations. In fact, Jack Welch, who turned her, who GE caused it over his tenure to be billions in dollars uh, increased in profit mm-hmm. by the time he left, and he said, "I owe it all to Peter Drucker." And the questions he asked. So we ask, uh, that's, that's what the background of why this particular question was asked. So we wondered, how did Peter ever become a consultant? And somebody asked him that. And he said, well, he said, I was a, a young guy. I was in my 20s, immigrated to the States, didn't know anything. And he said, the war broke out. And I, because I had a doctorate, I was mobilized and I was told to report to this colonel. And he said to become, and he said, it said I was going to be a management consultant, which I'd never heard of before. <laughs> and he said, you know, there were very few books on management. I looked up in the dictionary. Nobody could tell me what a management consultant was. So I was kind of scared. He said, I went to visit this colonel and reported into him, you know, with my orders that I was going to work for him as a management consultant. And he sat me down. We started talking. We talked around and around and around, and we weren't getting anywhere. So finally, I, I mean, I didn't know what I was going to do. So finally he said, I said, please, sir. Can you tell me what 
a management consultant is. <laughs> and he said, this colonel looked at me and he said, young man, don't be impertinent. And he said, by which I knew that he didn't know what a management consultant was either. <laughs> Don't put me on the spot, man. <laughs> and he said, so I just went out on my own and assumed that, you know, so I knew what a consulting detective was because I had read Sherlock Holmes when I was in England. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, I just made an assumption, and he said, I started out with my ignorance. So, and Peter really did this. I mean, Peter went and uh, uh, he had a, and I had to, what I did uh, is kind of to, Later, he went over my notes and thought, well, how did he, he must have some kind of a system. And that's what I put in the book then is the system that he used. And he used both a right brain and a left brain, you know, different ways that he used this thing. But, uh, it was, it was really an amazing statement to say, no, I don't go with all my knowledge. I go in with what I don't know, what am I ignorant? You know, the thing of it is when, in order for somebody to do that, they have to be humble enough because if they're so in their ego, that they're uncomfortable looking ignorant or stupid, then they can't go in raw, fresh, and just act stupid and ask all kinds of questions. It really takes having enough confidence in yourself to be not in the know. That's you know that's what impressed my wife uh, uh, so much when she met Peter for the first time. We had uh, you know we started the, it was a very experimental doctoral program, and they'd already had a master's program in place. So at the beginning of the year, they had it. We were there were nine, I guess, ten doctoral students when we first started, and uh, then uh, several. I don't know, maybe fifty or sixty or seventy or eighty, maybe uh, master's students. But they were all executives, and uh, they had a party at the beginning of the year. And my wife met him for the first time, and we came home. Now she's met some, you know, well-known people previously, and a lot of them. You know, she says, well, the guy was full of himself. <laughs> and that's what she says about me sometimes, too. If I get full of myself, she lets me know. But <laughs> that's said, a good uh, mate. No, she said, this guy, is uh, he's he really is interesting, she said, because he's not arrogant or he doesn't try to show off, and he's very comfortable with who he is. I mean, he's not trying to prove to any anybody that I know, you know, a great deal or whatever. Now my wife, I have to tell you, is a is a psycho was starting psychology or studies and to get her doctorate, and so she was really I mean she made a very good analysis I thought, but what really impressed her was a year later. Now he didn't see her for a year, and then the next year we had a, you know we had another party, and uh, he she hadn't seen him or he her. Now he knew me of course I had several number of courses with him, but uh, we had no name name tags or anything like that. But she ran into him, and she said, I, I know you don't remember me, but I'm, and she got about that far, and he says, of course I do. He says, you're Nareet Cohen, you know, you're Bill's wife. And that really, you know, that really <laughs> got to her. And that was Peter. I mean, he really took the time to know his students yes. and remember not only their names, but the names of their family as well, which I thought was very important. See, that's so not full of yourself. That is concern for those around you. People matter. People matter. So, you know, we're talking about living in the question where you bring your stupids in and ask questions to bring him up to speed so that you can solve the problems. Yeah, amazing. And he'd have his clients answer the questions. I mean, the situation, Jack Welch, and Jack Welch has mentioned this, in a couple of, uh, of uh, interviews, but Peter asked him when he first took over the company, um, he said, what businesses would you be in if you had your choice, I mean, that you, that you shouldn't be in? What businesses is General Electric in that they shouldn't be in? And that's the first question. The second question is, what are you going to do about it? 
<laughs> and he said, that was amazingly, you know, uh, insightful. And he said, I thought about that. And he said, I made the decision that if we weren't number one or number two in an industry, we were selling the business. And that was what I did about it. And he said, it had an incredible effect. And he said, I would have never thought about that if Peter hadn't have brought that and made me think about that. And that was Peter's whole methodology of a lot of these things. I mean, he may have not known anything about General Electric or their business they were in or the Girl Scouts of America or any other organization. He consulted for a number of religious organizations as well. But he asked the right questions, and he had a methodology that allowed him to do this. So I don't understand uh, why. I mean, there's some theories possibly here, but why would, if you weren't number one or two, would you automatically abort it? Well, he just realized that you, you can't be everything. This was Jack Welch's analysis that you can't be everything to everybody. In other words, you've got a, a basic principle of strategy is to concentrate superior resources at the decisive point. So in this case here, Welch had just decided that these businesses were, were number one and number two, those are decisive. That's that's where we're making you know, most of our money in. Mm-hmm. We should concentrate on those. And the other is that we're why why should we struggle about these other ones? You know, that's not our strength. So the other ones you get scattered and might as well stay with which where you got a great powerful flow going. Right. And it's kinda kinda goes along with what Peter was saying about first decide what business you're in. Because there was a uh, about that time there were a lot of businesses where uh, they, they you know the some there was a there was a fellow that came up with a theory that if you uh, just acquire companies and build sales not by by giving real value to your customer necessarily, <coughs> excuse me, but I've got to get a little drink of water. But we're talking like just a, a a good intellectual, you know, it's coming out of your head marketing strategy, so it looks like it's going to make some bucks instead of this is where we really have our heart and soul and we just jive on this particular production we do. So there's a big difference between the two of those. Yeah, where you can really give value to your customer and you really have something, you know, a business that, that you've, uh, you can really, man- you can, management really means something. Right. So there was a theory in those days that just keep acquiring and acquiring companies and buying companies and don't worry about it. Right. And uh, a lot of those companies went belly up. I mean, these corporations, they bought all kinds of companies. They had very little to contribute. And as you said, they were emphasizing too much. You know, I hate to use the word marketing because marketing can be a very good thing. Yeah. But but they emphasized too much on just the acquisition part and not enough how they were going to give value or what value they gave you either to the customer or to their own, to, to the companies they'd acquired. Yeah, it's sort of like, you know, are you based in, crunching numbers or are you based in heart and soul and, and giving a good service and, and being proud of it and doing a, doing a good business all around yeah you really have to be in a lot of businesses you have to be that way because it's for the long term it's not for instantaneous profits for today or tomorrow yeah a lot of these things you you have to build you know Charme and I are doing our groove and we're so grateful that we have stayed true and found our groove and it'll change in the future as it has in the past I'm sure but what a what a meager world it is to be forced in a job or you know choosing a job for bucks you know just for money or because that's how life forces you in instead of doing what just you jazz on well that's a very you know that's a very insightful point and it was really another one of uh, of Drucker's beliefs and that is that you can't predict the future but you can create it 
and he believed that we could all create our own futures. And this is what you're, you know, really what you're saying, because as an individual, because you can get you, yes, we may have to work for a while to get money so that we can do more of what we want. We may have to work, for example, maybe we need to finish a degree and get a degree. Or maybe we have to take some kind of training that's necessary, and so we have to take a job that's not what we want, but it's we need to do this until we until we get to this certain point. Yes. But as soon as we get to that certain point, we ought to we ought to have that planned out already. We ought to think ahead and really create our future rather than just stumble around. I mean, so many people wait for you know they wait for their I think the saying was wait till my boat comes in or something like yeah. that. Or, you know, my ship the, comes in. My ship comes in, yeah. But only a and, boat comes in. Yeah. <laughs> we got to take a break here. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts. Our guest today, Bill Cohen, author of A Class with Drucker. When we come back, we're going to find out about Mary Kay Ash and what she did when she got started. Stay with us. We've got more.